Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. I am Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe. I want to thank you for stopping by the cafe today to have a cup of coffee with me, a glass of milk, a glass of whiskey, maybe a nice Chardonnay. But I'm glad you're here. I think we're going to have a really good conversation today with my guest, Meredith Bell. Now, before we kind of talk about Meredith a little bit, I mean, we, we talk a lot about sales performance and marketing performance, but do we ever really talk about improving the performance of people? Now, if you're a business owner and you have employees, you know that there's a lot of things that can happen with those employees, but really about thinking about the performance of them. How do we improve their performance? How do we improve how they communicate with each other? How do we deal with conflict? How do we have them figure out ways to get along, sing Kumbaya, get the guitars out, clap a couple tambourines. Let's work on creating harmony, if you will, or at least some kind of streamlining of operations so people can do a better job of working together. Now, that could involve listening. Now, if you do listen to the show, and I hope you do, a few weeks back, I had a show on active listening. Pet peeve of mine. We're going to talk about a little bit of that in the show today. But if you haven't heard that that episode, please go back and listen to it. I, I think you'll find it really interesting, and you're going to find the conversation today is interesting as well. So again, this is about how to improve people performance, which I believe if we do that, we're going to improve our marketing performance, our sales performance, our operations, our HR, our finance. So this is a win, 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 win for all the departments by taking the time to listen to this podcast and listen to my guest, Meredith Bell. Now, Meredith has been working in the field of people performance for quite some time. She is an author, and we're going to talk about her new book, Connect With Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills. Uh, And she wrote this with her partner. This is a fascinating book. I'll tell you how to get a hold of that later on. So sit back, relax, get a notepad out, take a few, take a few notes, jot a few notes down. But before we start, I am going to talk about marketing. At Kraft, our team of marketers provide consulting, interim, fractional, and leadership services, focusing on the strategic and analytical side of marketing. And we take a holistic view to drive business growth. We are marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, competition, and the market to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. We call them marketing blueprints. Companies work with us when they need to launch, scale, or even pivot their business. By understanding how your company is positioned and perceived in the marketplace, we can help craft your messaging to be more relevant to your customers based on their needs, wants, motivations, and behaviors to ensure your marketing investment is optimized. After all, you wouldn't build a house without a blueprint. So why are you building your business without one? Keep listening to this podcast to learn more about Kraft and our marketing architects coming soon. Well, I'm back and we're about ready to talk to my guest, Meredith Bell. She is the co-founder and the president 
of performance support systems, a global software company providing assessments and development tools for the workplace. They are award-winning software tools, as a matter of fact, and we're going to not necessarily get into the tools, but really about how to help, as I said, the improvement and the performance of your employees. Meredith, thank you for stopping by the Business Growth Cafe. Well, it's great to be with you today, Angela. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a, a really good and frankly, great conversation today. And I think the listeners are going to get a lot out of it. Uh, at least that's my plan. And now it's all up to you to deliver on my plan. So you know how that goes. <laughs> that's my intention and commitment to you and your listeners. How's all right. That? It's the implementation. It's it's not the strategy. Sometimes it's the implementation of the strategy. So that's my strategy for today. Um, you know, before we get started, though, why don't you take a few minutes, tell the audience about you and kind of put the conversation in context before we start? Sure. <clears throat> One of my passions has always been people, and I always wanted to teach, but I found teaching public schools did not suit me uh, from the perspective of uh, really uh, challenging me. And so I ended up becoming an entrepreneur. And this should be encouraging to any of your listeners who want to start their own business. I had zero business background, but I always had been fascinated with how people interact with each other. <clears throat> and so I started a solo consulting and training company based on teaching people how to communicate better with each other, which evolved into leadership development. And then in 1990, I met Denny Coates, uh, who we started collaborating on some things because we were doing similar kinds of work and decided we were compatible. And we brought in a third partner, merged our two companies. So the three of us have now worked together for 30 years, oh, believe it great. or not. Congratulations. And so we've... We've learned how to apply communication skills with each other a lot, and we've created, um, actually in the early 90s, we were interested in doing 360 feedback, but there were not very many tools available back then, and they couldn't be customized, and they couldn't be, um, and they were very expensive, so we thought, let's create our own. We did that and we built in these communication skills as a part of the assessments there. But we made this decision to become more of a software company. And so we've been in the business of publishing software tools. And then last year with COVID, we decided to take a lot of this expertise and put it in the form of books. And so my uh, latest book, Connect With Your Team, is all about how to communicate with others. Because even though we've been at this a long time, as you all know, Angelo, there is still a lot of pain and suffering in the workplace and at homes around people not knowing how to connect well with each other. And so we are still just on fire about helping to make that uh that aspect of relationships stronger. Yeah, and you know, that's a great point. And it, you would think it would be easy. You go into a new job, for example, and whatever, there's 10, there's 50, whatever, 100 employees. And, and you're working, the more employees there, that are at the company, the, you don't work with 100, right? There's a kind of that connected circle that you work with. And that could be one, two or three or five or whatever it happens to be. And to build a relationship, I don't feel that people invest the time 
to try to make those connections. It's all about work. It's all about territory. And to me, if you get to know people on a different level and understand how they approach their work and things that might bother them or they bring to work. And so you have, a, for me anyway, a clear understanding of who they are and how they work. Um, you know, just in the people that I've been working with very closely in the last several years, as I've gotten to know them on a personal level, as well as a business level, I can see certain things that I need to do from a behavioral standpoint for reinforcement to, to make people, you know, more accepting because that's in their DNA versus others. I don't have to do that because it's not in their DNA. Right. So it's almost like making a playbook on how to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and I may have told you this story. I, I went into this company a couple of years ago and they, there was a lot of infighting between sales and marketing and, and, you know, that's kind of the norm, right? Everybody says, Oh, sales and marketing always fight. I don't believe that. Um, the relationships I have now with the, my kind of sales counterparts, I mean, we're, we get along really well and we got, we understand our roles, but in this particular case, there was just two people out of 20 something that were causing all the friction. Hmm. And so you know, my goal was to get to the root of that and try to understand what was really happening. And part of it was ego. Part of it was feeling unappreciated. And, and anyway, it was kind of an interesting challenge. That's not my you know field of expertise, but just kind of getting down to those levels. Then I called them all in once we kind of figured it out. And, and I said, look, at, we all have to play in the same sandbox, same sandbox together. But the first thing we're going to do is, you know, get the cat turds out. So it's a clean box and we can kind of start. So that's, that's my story, uh, you know, where I had to get in and do some uh, communication skills and how to work together. So I want to talk about, you know, your new book, uh, Connect Your Team or Connect With Your Team. You know that, frankly, your um, table of contents was inspiring and there's such, you know, the 10 relationship building skills. So frankly, I want to use our time today to have you go through each one of those, because I think it's important that it isn't just one skill. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a combination of things. Now, obviously there's multiple pages and hundreds and hundreds of words to support these, but I think if we go through each one of these and kind of dig into a little bit about the about the um, high level expectations of those skills. You know, we talked before about soft skills and hard skills. And I think, you know, this would be a great place to explore. Sounds with great. Me? You with I, me? I'm game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, we can only touch the surface if we're going to cover all 10. But um, that very first one, listening uh, to me, we, we had more pages for that chapter than any other, because it's the foundation skill for really all of the other skills that are in the book. Mm -hmm. And the reason is it's required to do some of those other skills. When you have conflict with someone, you've got to be able to listen to them just as one example. And the problem is, Angelo, so many people think they're pretty good listeners when in fact, Uh, If you and I'm not just talking about recalling the facts that someone has shared, it's paying attention to the whole person, you know, to be fully present because we're also busy. We're also distract distracted by 
our devices and just all the other things that are going on, that it really takes a lot of effort to listen well, to be fully present with someone, to pay attention to those nonverbals, you know, to see, are they raising their eyebrows? Just as an example, you know, what are, how are they responding to what I'm saying? And what is it that's really going on with them? And unfortunately, too often we're waiting to take our turn to speak, Mm -hmm. make our point, prove our case, rather than really trying to get what someone says. So if you become a masterful listener, it is amazing how the impact that has on your relationships. You said something that that it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, and that's the people waiting for their turn. It, and that is, it, and I did a podcast, and I think I mentioned this to you when we were talking before about active listening, that, that when people are having, I'll say conversations, because most of the time it's not a conversation, is when someone's telling a story or explaining something. To me, the natural reaction is to ask a question, right? So tell me more, or why did that happen? Or, you know, how do you feel? But I find, and I'm going to use eight out of 10, I hate to even go that high, never ask those questions. They respond with their own story, which made me come. My conclusion is they weren't paying attention to anything I said. I said something that triggered a thought or a, or a story, and they couldn't wait to tell that. And I think that, it, it, to your point, this is the, the chapter with the most pages. This is so important in, in learning those skills and practicing those skills and, and you know, Sit on your hands. I'm Italian, right? I want to talk with my hands. Sit on your hands and and don't talk, but listen and try to understand and think about how you can, for me, dig and continue the conversation. As a as a marketer, and, and I worked a lot in the advertising business and, and dealing with clients. I mean, if I answered every client's input with my own story, you know, I'd never go anywhere, right? So it's about how do you probe, how do you dig, how do you understand? I mean, that's the purpose. And I find that 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 just doesn't happen. That, well, you know, you're you're bringing up such an important point, Angela, which is that listening is not passive. It's not like you're sitting there silently letting somebody go on and on and on, but you are interacting with them. And I love that you brought up asking questions because that's such a key element of listening because it demonstrates to the other person that you're working to really understand their message. And so you want to clarify, make sure you're getting it correct and checking with them and then going deeper. And that that's very powerful. So how, um, so when you're dealing with people and it comes as, and again, this is one of my pet peeves, what kind of, kind of training in a sense, or what kind of exercises do you do to help people become better listeners? It's sort of the same thing as uh, any skill that you need to create. You have to rewire your brain for this new way, and that requires practice. So it, it, there needs to be that initial awareness. I want to, I, I need to be a better listener. You know, I'm not listening to this individual. And I would say start with one person and focus on one thing that you could do better or differently. So you don't overwhelm yourself with trying to, you know, this is not a technique, really. I mean, we've got steps in there for listening empathetically to someone where we talk about, you know, saying 
either in the form of a question or a statement. It sounds like you're really angry about this, you know, where you are committed to paying attention and getting the feelings behind the words, not just the words themselves. Because if, if I guess here's an underlying uh, guideline for everybody, and that is, and you said this earlier, getting your ego out of the way and making the decision, I am here for this person. And in this moment, they're the most important person in my world. So how can I convey that? See, so that's not a technique. It's more of an attitude, mm-hmm. a way of showing up. And I think that is so key because people can feel that when you are really with them, even on Zoom, you know, I will have conversations with people and I'm asking them questions to learn more. And I'm thinking about, okay, how can I respond in a way that will be helpful or useful to them? And they can feel that. And that is huge in terms of forming a solid relationship with someone else. So if you think of who is it I'd like to be a better listener to and just focus on that person, I think that that makes a huge difference. And if it's somebody that, you know, you're thinking maybe you haven't been as good a listener and they may know it, just ask the person, what's one thing I could do to be a better listener for you? Just asking that question alone shoots up, you know, your deposits in that emotional Mm -hmm. bank account for that other person, because it all conveys, I care about you. And that's what we want to know, that we matter. And when you were talking about someone else jumping in when you're speaking, what they're conveying is to you is you don't matter. What I have to say is more important than you. Mm -hmm. And so you know, to ask ourselves, what can I do to be respectful to this person and to help elevate them, if you will, as a result of this conversation that we're having? Now, let's let's kind of go a step further. So here's the CEO of a company who obviously is a leader and in theory communicating to his you know, stakeholders, a strategic team. And then you've got the person, you know, in the department of whatever, IT or marketing or sales that also has to communicate. And it is not really a top-down skill set. I mean, it's not like culture where this it sets at the top and that kind of, you know, works its way through the organization. So how do you say to a CEO who tends not to listen to people? And just, you know, wants to be the, the talk. I've had some of those before. I mean, it would be, we, we call it pontificating. Here comes, you know, Bob. He's going to get out of the soapbox. He's going to talk for 30, 40 minutes. Not going to pay attention to anything we say. And it just expects us to go, you know, run because he said something and he never really listened versus the person in the department that's struggling with, you know, counterparts or interdepartmental issues. I mean, it's the same behavioral change, right? I mean, it's, but how do you tell the leader of a company, one thing. And then of course the person in the department, when you kind of work your magic. You know, I think it goes back to something you said earlier, which is around questions, you know, where you're curious. And I think that's a really important key word for all of these skills, but especially listening is being curious. So asking that CEO, for example, how often do you get ideas about how things could be improved in the company. 
you know, do you seek those out on a regular basis? And if they're not getting ideas, then exploring with them, why do you think people might be hesitant to talk to you about this? Of course, if it's some, if it's a behavior you've observed because you're in there working with them, then giving feedback, which is another skill, is another aspect of um, pointing out where maybe they've shut somebody down if it's in a meeting Mm -hmm. and you notice they either interrupted or dominated or got back to their own thought, just to hold that up to them and say, did you notice that when, you know, Bob spoke up, you jumped in and interrupted and and he wasn't able to finish his sentence, you know, holding up a mirror to somebody is really an important aspect. And of course they have to be open to to that kind of feedback. If they're not, you know, then it's it's another whole issue in and of itself. Because where it may not be a top-down thing, it certainly is something a, a good leader models is being open to feedback, being open to ask questions and learn from others. I think that's a key aspect of people feeling free to be open and honest to give feedback themselves or ask, mm-hmm. even ask questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when I think about, you know, I do a lot of market research and whether it's qualitative or quantitative, and it's really about going into the market and asking the questions to elicit the information. And a lot of times, and you know, I will say a lot of times, but it happens that, you know, you'll give these reports. I've talked to your customers. I've talked to the marketplace and here's what they say. And some people embrace that communications and, and insights Another say, yeah, I don't believe it. And it's like, but you're not listening to the people you're selling to or the markets are trying to expand. So, I mean, that's a kind of a different level, but to me, that is an indication of, of who that person is and how they listen with inside their organization. That you are so right about that. Uh, because if we tend to dismiss, um, you know, it's this whole thing of, okay, so what is it you're choosing to believe instead? of what this data mm-hmm. says, what, what's causing you to dismiss that so quickly? What evidence do you have that refutes what I'm telling you? You know, getting them to really think through because, and that's another one of the skills we can get into is getting people to think for themselves and asking. Let's questions. move that way. Let's move right yeah. into that one then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, a whole key, especially folks in leadership roles, you know, but I, I would love your listeners to just think in all kinds of situations. It could be with a coworker. It could be with, as a parent. When somebody comes to you with a question and they want your help, it's so inherent in so many of us who like being helpful to provide the answer. It's more time efficient, we think, you know, it'll save time. But the cost of that is that the other person then becomes more dependent on you for the answers. And so it can actually be a time suck for you to be positioning yourself as the one that can help them every time instead of looking at the long-term view of how can I help this person become more self-reliant, become more of an independent thinker. And related to that is how safe do I make it for people to make mistakes? Because if people are afraid to fail or that they're going to be chastised or corrected or put down in some way, 
that's when they will also come to you wanting the answers and direct guidance because they're afraid of what's going to happen if they make a mistake. So one of the things to do is just instead of, and this again goes back to your question about how do you learn this skill? Well, if somebody comes to you with a question about how do I do this or what's the answer, just have your automatic response be, what question can I ask right now instead of providing an answer? So a fundamental question would be, what do you think? You know, before you jump in with anything, some variations of that might be, well, what options have you considered so far? Or what do you think would be the best way to approach this situation? Or, you know, if, if I weren't here, what would you do? Right. You know, there are all kinds of ways of getting the person to share what they think. And if they are hesitant um, and, and are, you know, really seem reluctant to share then I would look within and say, what have I done to cause this person to not feel like they can be honest with me in this situation? And just say, you know, I have some ideas. I'd really like to hear yours first because there's no one right way to do this. So that kind of thing, I think, helps people learn to think for themselves before they come to another person to seek guidance. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I'm sitting here um, having some flashbacks on some situations where, you know, I, I did that. I, I was working in this organization as a, a chief strategy officer and and some of the people that reported to me would always come in and just ask me, ask me, ask me. And then I realized that I was not empowering them to think for themselves because, you know, I was I was their um, safety net. Right. Mm -hmm. He knows it. I, I'm not, I haven't done that yet. So I, I kind of flipped what you're saying is I, I always said, bring me the solution, bring me your thoughts first, then we'll discuss that. And then if there's an alternative, we can find it together. And, and so to me, that was really important. And then the other thing too, is, is the willingness. I, same company, my first meeting there, it was the senior leadership team. There must've been 14 people in the room, got the literally person number one, and they hadn't delivered something they were supposed to. And the CEO spent the next 30 minutes just berating them. And then, and then it went to the next person and something, and same thing. I mean, this meeting went on for four hours. And I remember walking um, out of the room going, oh my God, you know, first of all, what did I get myself into? <laughs> then number two, okay, that's my job. I got I to gotta give guidance because they've never been in this situation before. And, and it was tough. To, it was tough to ask the right questions, a little bit of fear, right? For fear that even though I was hired to do that, fear of, you know, the first thing out of my mouth on the first day is, you know, we need to talk <laughs> about, about meetings and how you handle that. And, and let's, you know, why do you, you know, act that way? What is that is, you know, I didn't really know this person. And it was a little scary. Um, and it was a few years ago. So I remember exactly how I did it. But you know, we developed a nice relationship where I became her confidant when she would call me in and say, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And I would say, what do you think? You know, what do you think this step that you're about to take makes sense? And then, you know, we had that kind of cadence, which so I love what you're saying. It, it's so important. And I think fear is an underlying concern of a lot of, I'll say, employees to go up the ladder and um, be, you know, question things. I was sitting in a 
uh, we had, I was working for a company that had gotten uh, bought out, was taken over, to make a long story short. And it was a technology company. We we're a research company. And I'm sitting in two and a half years in the new companies there and the new CEO and presenting the strategic plan for the future. And I recognized in his presentation that my division was not in his lines. And so I asked the question in the meeting, can I, you know, can we, can we explore why we're, you know, and it was really interesting to watch him dance. I'm not sure if this is on topic, but that made me flash about this. And it was really interesting to see him do a song and dance. And, but sure enough, they were, you know, more focused on tech than what we were doing. And so I saw the writing on the wall, but it was just how they communicated. Uh, anyway, I'm rambling. Well, I'm sorry about that. But you know, <laughs> it's relevant, Angela, what you're bringing up is very pertinent because it, you know, to me, it ties in with how do we respond to situations? So we can go into feedback for a minute if you want to, because this whole thing of, you know, we have separate chapters on giving constructive feedback, receiving feedback from others, and also giving positive feedback. Mm -hmm. This area of receiving feedback, I think is so important because this is key, I think, in a leadership role and again with coworkers. Do I want to be known as someone who is constantly defending and justifying what I do or someone who readily admits if I made a mistake or said something, you know, that was hurtful to someone and quickly apologize for it. So many times we're afraid of, of being respected less when we own up to something we've done instead of covering it up or minimizing it or defending it or justifying it. And all those reactions only serve to push people away. If we truly want to connect with other people, then as soon as we accept responsibility and own it and then apologize. And so it, it doesn't have to take long, but it's amazing how much time gets saved and how much goodwill gets created when we're willing to do this. So let's say you came to me and said, you know, Meredith, in that meeting, you interrupted Sally, you know, six different times. You didn't let her finish her sentence. And so I could say, well, but she was going on and on and on. You know, I could justify it in my own mind. But instead, if I can say, gosh, I had no idea I was doing that and thank the person. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. And if it was if Sally's the one telling me, then I would apologize to her and say, Sally, I am. I really am so sorry about that. And is there anything I can do to make sure, you know, I don't cause that problem for you in the future so that we have this conversation and they see, okay, I don't have to be afraid. That's the other thing. If you want people to really tell you the truth about your behavior or about anything that's going on, if you respond in a way that makes it safe for them to be honest, they're more likely to come back to you when something else comes up and and not be afraid of your reaction. Because there are times when, I mean, people notice, they watch, they learn quickly. If somebody explodes or puts down another or berates someone else in front of others, especially, 
they're very likely to not come to you with information. We all have blind spots. Mm -hmm. And the more we can encourage people to bring those to us. And, you know, if we've said something or done something that's really, you know, caused a rift in the relationship, then to after apologizing, say, what can I do to make this right? Because what you're communicating just with that simple question is, I care about this relationship and I want to re-earn your trust. And so a willingness to do that is, I think, just essential to building strong trust and strong relationships. Well, that's not only in work, but in your personal life as well. Absolutely. I mean, this is frankly everywhere, whether you're in a you know, an organization or a charity or whatever it happens to be, um, you know, these, everything we're talking about applies across the board, applies to the individual, not just the, the situation per se, but again, we talked, said this earlier on about changing your behavior and how you do communicate and interact with others. Um, in part of this kind of openness, I'm going to stick on the business side because this is a business show, stick on the business side. But as part of that, kind of open and exchange and interaction and feeling comfortable to come to you and say, Hey, really, I'm sorry I interrupted or, Hey, Angelo, you interrupted me 10 times in the meeting. Can we talk about that? Is that a, is that a cultural thing though? Is that a kind of start at the top that, you know, I want to encourage this kind of communication? Well, this, it, it, it really does because if the top leader models, it's okay to give me feedback, because too often they get isolated. You know, mm -hmm. nobody, uh, they're so far removed from what's going on. And that's where that managing by walking around, you know, and asking, even asking this simple question, Angelo, is huge, to say, what's one thing I could do differently, to be a better leader for you, or to be a better coworker for you, anyone at any level can ask that of other people. What's one thing you'd like me to do differently that would make your experience working with me better? And the other thing is somebody in a senior leadership role could ask the people who report to them, you know, or just for the company in general, what's one thing we could do differently here that would make your experience working here better? So mm -hmm. it can be about you personally, or it can be about the organization as a whole, assuming the person asking the question can do something about it. And I think that that promotes people being willing to be more open and honest with each other. It, it, you can have pockets of people in an organization that have that kind of, you know, openness and honesty with each other. But if you want it widespread as part of the culture, then it's really important, I think, for the senior leaders to model that kind of openness and humility. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I um, I'm just thought of a, this is many, many years ago, uh, I worked in a, at an advertising agency and I had some conflicts with one of the creative people, um, the marketing and creative, not just marketing and sales. And I remember at one point in time, my supervisor came to me and said, okay, enough's enough. You two go across the street, go to the cafe and don't come back until you figured out your differences. And, and I remember thinking, it was like, wow, I'm, I'm sorry, what, you know, does that mean I'm fired? No, you're not fired, but go across the street, figure out how you guys can communicate and, you know, get on a, an even keel. And I remember we did, it took us about six hours to figure it out. 
Um, because yeah, it's a long time, but I really appreciated it after that. And I think that maybe uh, unknowingly set some, something in my brain about trying to get at the root of any issues very quickly, mm-hmm. because I've seen, you know, I've, I've had other experiences where, where I've seen stuff just fester out of control and, you know, and, and more importantly, as that happens, it, it spills out into the rest of the organization. Yes. Havoc. Yes, it really does. No matter what size that team, the immediate team and, and potentially others. Uh, and I think what you're getting at there ties in with one of the other skills, which is con- conflict resolution. And what often happens is in a conflict, it isn't just we have different opinions. That's more related to dialogue. It's that we want different things. Mm-hmm. You want this, you want to do this, I want to do that. And so in that case, it's important at least for one person to take the initiative to find out what's behind that want. What's the need that you have that's driving this so we can really more accurately address. Otherwise, both people tend to dig in their heels and insist my way is the way. Um, And I'll give you a personal example. Years ago, our daughter is 37 now, but when she was in high school 20 years ago, she wanted to go to France. And uh, she wanted us to pay for it. Uh, of course. <laughs> my husband and I said, because this was a school trip, right? And uh, we said, well, that's not going to happen. So we had this, you know, temporary conflict. But we got creative together and said, tell you what, we will pay for half of it if you come up with a way to earn the other half. We're willing to do that. And so she did. She got very creative, one of which served both my husband and me well, which was to prepare meals for us. And we would pay her to prepare meals because she really, you know, invested a lot of time. And that had great value for both of us working full time. So it's the kind of thing where, you know, it could have been a real, you know, uncomfortable thing. She's wanting us to do this. We're saying no. We're not going to do that. If we hadn't figured out what's a way we can both win here. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key. Again, it requires people to set their egos aside and not feel like if I give in an inch, I'm going to lose. It's not that kind of attitude that's going to allow you. And it goes back to caring about this other person as a human being and really paying attention, going back to listening. What is it they're saying they really need and asking questions to go deeper, because it may be that you find out something that they didn't even realize on a conscious level was driving them. But the more you are willing to not get defensive, not push so hard, but simply ask. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, that's a great point. And, And I could certainly tell many stories about my children give me, give me, give me, <laughs> you know, and uh, the way, you know, and, and I think part of it, you know, I, I've seen, I'll say other people that I know, you know, their kids say I want, and you know, that the checks are being written. But part of that for me was how I was brought up. You know, my, my dad had me, you know, do paper routes and cutting grass and shoveling snow and doing stuff to earn money. It wasn't enough to do anything with, but I got to buy my own candy and stuff like that. So okay. That kind of, kind of work ethic, was ingrained in me and I'm from the East coast and here in California, you know, it's a different situation. A lot of kids are in sports. They don't, I mean, my youngest son never had a job until he was almost 20 because hmm. he was always playing 
sports year round until he mm. got hurt and couldn't play anymore. And so where I was out doing things when I was I don't know, nine or 10 years old with a paper route and, you know, doing other things. So kind of a different mindset and different skill set, and, and, and then communicating that just because somebody else has doesn't mean you have to have and mm-hmm. looking at how do you resolve that. And maybe I hopefully I'm not off topic again, but I think it's conflict resolution in, you know, inside, right? When the kids are screaming and fighting and arguing with you constantly because, because of, you have to figure out a way to find a common ground versus, you know, because I said so, which was the words I hated growing up. <laughs> well, you know, the other aspect of conflict resolution is creativity. So to me, if you bring curiosity to learn what it is the other person really needs, and then getting agreeing to get creative together to say, you know, my way may not be, it's not the only way, your way isn't the only way. How about if we brainstorm some other things that we could do in this situation, and we don't approach it as I'm going to lose, you're going to lose, you know, or that we each win just a little bit, but what would be a solution that would really be acceptable to both of us and Mm -hmm. we would feel good about? So if you commit up front to the win-win as the goal and not win-lose or lose-lose, that helps, I think, both parties in terms of the approach they take to getting creative and looking at other possibilities. Okay. So um, I'm look, I'm looking at time here. Maybe we have time for one. I, we never got through all 10 or 13. No. Hours then, right. So um, what. Uh, I know the what, one I would more? love to talk about. Okay. Let's, and that let's... is expressing appreciation okay. because this is giving positive feedback because we don't have enough of it. We criticize ourselves so much in our own heads and we hear criticism from others about what we didn't do right or how we fell short. And no one really hears enough positive things uh, about who they are and what they've accomplished. And in the workplace, being very specific is really helpful. Like after a meeting, if someone has contributed or they were kind of paying attention and noticed so-and-so didn't contribute, so let's get input from that person. If you can give, if you were leading the meeting and you notice these behaviors that you want to see repeated, then make a point of taking in, it doesn't take a lot of time, but taking a couple of minutes to say, hey, Angelo, I loved how you participated in the meeting today. I really am glad you noticed that Sue had not contributed and that you brought her in because that made for a richer discussion. Mm-hmm. You see, it's it's really letting the other person know, hey, I did something right. You know, I, he noticed, she noticed that I did this. And they're more likely then to look for opportunities to exhibit that behavior in other situations. If we don't acknowledge it, then they figure, well, we don't care. That's not important. And so we have to think about what is it people are doing that I want them to continue doing or to do more of that I can genuinely express appreciation for. And a key underlying principle here, Angelo, is... The word appreciate means increase in value. And so if I take time to express appreciation to someone, then it not only elevates their value in my own mind, it elevates their value in their mind. And pe- and this has a very practical application, you know, because somebody might be listening on, oh, 
you know, that's one of the soft skills again. Actually, no, it's a very important, powerful skill because when people feel that they are more valuable in their own minds, they can perform better. They're not held back by self-criticism, self-doubts. We are expressing our belief in their ability to give their very best. And that is more motivational to them than standing up and giving a rah-rah speech. When we can help people see how capable they are and we affirm that in how we treat them, it's huge in terms of productivity and performance. You know, I, that is a great, great point because self-doubt uh, can really hinder the conversation, hinder to productivity, like you just said. And and people, back to that fear factor, you know, if I say something, it's, are people going to think it's stupid or are people going to not, you know, understand what I said? And so there's always that. But But even when you make contributions and you get no acknowledgement that good, bad, or indifferent, you, you want feedback. So you can either improve or continue to do it. I, so I, that I'm glad we got that one in. I think that was really important. And, and while we didn't touch on all of them, I do want to say, and I, and I'm going to have, unfortunately we have to kind of bring this to a close, but I'm going to ask you one last question. What inspires you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Making a big difference in the lives of other people to help them live happier, fuller lives. Because I've seen the impact that our books have had, our products have had on how people interact with each other. And it has a ripple effect into their families, you know, into broader areas of the workplace. That inspires me, but it also feels like a responsibility, Angelo. You know, mm -hmm. I. I know this stuff, not everybody knows it. And so I feel compelled and inspired to share that information with others because it's so important to having a happy, satisfying life. So I, you know, I get up every day excited about who I can serve. That's really a key thing I ask myself, who can I serve today in a profound way so that they feel better about themselves after our interaction than they did before and help spread the word about the importance of doing that. Fantastic. I feel better having this conversation with you for sure. I love it. <laughs> so um, I, I, I wish I could talk more. This is great, but I think what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll figure out a time to have you come back, maybe hopefully not for your third book, but to continue this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And I, I, I I'm positive that uh, people are going to really benefit from from listening to this and and i'm going to encourage them to take notes when they listen because it's it's very good but more importantly i want them to buy your book and so i'm going to let you. you go ahead and kind of give them your contact information your websites your links to your books whatever you want to say to them go ahead <laughs> great thank you well our website is grow strong leaders with an s.com and you'll learn about the books when you go to that home page and there's also a tab to learn more about our products. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, Meredith M. Bell. And I would invite people to connect with me on those platforms because I love interacting with people. I love building strong relationships. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Meredith. I really have enjoyed the conversation and our time together and, and our kind of pre-meeting prior to this. Um, I, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. 
And uh, hopefully we can continue building our relationship together. That would be great. Thank you, Angelo. All right. Well, thank you again. Meredith, I want to thank you so much for stopping by the cafe today and having a cup of coffee with me. It is early in the morning, so it was coffee. Uh, for those of you that listen to the show, sometimes they're nighttime shows and we might be drinking something else. But I hope you enjoyed, uh, listeners, the, the, the conversation and the insights. And you did take some notes because I think it's really important. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're dealing with people performance issues, you can either contact Meredith or certainly go and download her book or buy her book. I'll put a, a, a link to that in the show notes if you're, if you're curious and you heard her contact information. And again, Meredith, I, I really want to thank you for coming by the show today and spending time with us. If you're a subscriber to the show, I want to thank you. I really appreciate you continuing to listen. And if you're new to the show or it, maybe it's your first time here, I encourage you to sign up to make sure that you get notified when we have new shows about all the great content that we have. As I have mentioned in previous shows, we're into our just coming out, heading towards our, actually, I'm in my fourth year. Now that I think about it, I just turned the corner. I am in my fourth year. There's 150 plus shows, a lot of great information. You can backtrack, you can listen to these and, and frankly, skip watching Netflix. Forget about all that stuff. Just listen to me on the podcast. So I encourage you to do that. You can go to my website at theponzigroup.com or you can go to the Business Growth Cafe or frankly on any podcast platform you like to listen to, you can find the Business Growth Cafe. So thank you again for stopping by. I look forward to seeing you and talking to you next week here on the Business Growth Cafe. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.